From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Thursday, October 26. For years, we've been hearing about how the Australian fashion industry has changed, how it's increasingly embracing diversity in magazine shoots and on the runway. But behind the scenes, black models paint a very different picture. They say they're paid less than their white counterparts, that they're subject to prejudice and disrespect. Which is why this week, more than a dozen local models are boycotting Melbourne Fashion Week. They're fed up with the treatment they receive that, says one model, wouldn't be allowed in London, New York, or Paris. Today, journalist Antoinette Latouf, author of the book How to Lose Friends and Influence White People, on what goes on behind the scenes for black models in Australia. So, Antoinette, more than a dozen models are boycotting Melbourne Fashion Week. Who are they, and how did you actually get onto this story? So, a friend of mine who's you know, read my book and knows my work, that I'm, you know, I've written an anti-racism book and I speak about equity a lot in my work, said, you have to meet this model She's a friend of mine. She's pretty traumatised after Australian Fashion Week. I've given her a copy of your book, but you need to meet with her. And I said, okay, cool. I'll meet with her. So we went out for lunch. And then over this meal, she was, she was explaining to me just how distraught she was feeling off the back of Australian Fashion Week, which was earlier this year. And she said, it's not just me. There's a social media group. There are a whole bunch of black models in Sydney and Melbourne. We're all trying to comfort each other. Come and meet these black models. So one Saturday night, about a month later... I meet at her house, in enter all of these models. Some have joined us via Zoom because they're interstate. And it turned into a bit of like a five-hour talk session where they just shared grievances and I just listened and they shared. And then one after another, I heard, I can't do this again. What people don't realise is I go home, I crawl into a shower, I cry. It's so dehumanising, I don't know how I'm going to front up again tomorrow. And so as they're all comforting each other, I heard time and time again, I can't do it, I'm done. Something has to change. I can't do it, I'm done. And so then I was like, you've said you're done. You've said you're done. And as I started to count, I was like, that's a lot of you that are saying you're done. Are you boycotting Melbourne Fashion Week? And then they looked towards each other and they were like, yes, and there'll be more of us. All of the boycotting models, they either didn't turn up to casting calls or they turned down opportunities to make a statement. What that then means for the future of their careers is yet to be determined. But they said, what we don't want to do is all quietly go away and nothing changes. Okay, so can you go into that a little bit more? You know, they keep saying, I'm done, I'm not doing this again. So what is it that they were experiencing? Because I know in your story that you wrote, one model, Awar Malek, told you that, quote, black models doing Australian fashion is a form of self-destruction. So what did she mean by that and what are they experiencing? The adjective dehumanising was used again and again by the models. One model in particular said that at the last fashion week she was involved in, she went backstage to hair and makeup. There was two stylists, hair and makeup artists looking at her and they just kind of talking to each other and were like, oh, what are we going to do about her? What are we going to do about her look? Um, as though it was you know, inconvenient that they had to style a black woman. And then one of the women said to the model, oh, how do you feel about a buzz cut? As though the solution was to just shave all her hair off. Something that wouldn't be said to any other model because when a model is booked, you know what they look like, you know their height, you know their waist, you know their sh- shoe size, you know their hair length and they're booked with a certain look. And she said that 
continuing to be in that environment where she's spoken of with sort of such disdain as though it's an inconvenience, that that was, that was dehumanising and it was a form of self-destruction because these were things, the texture of her hair, the colour of her skin, that she has no control over. She didn't choose to be an inconvenience. She's just a black woman and a woman who, she says, should be made to feel proud of her, her beauty, her art and her skills and not dehumanised. And you spoke to one model, Jeffrey Kasubi. He is also part of the boycott. So tell me about his experience. So yeah, Jeffrey was the only male among the 13. So it's him and 12 female models. And he acknowledges that his experiences as a man are different and that he has witnessed um, far more egregious things happen to the, the female models. But he's had photographers using derogatory language um, if you try and raise it with managers or agent who are almost exclusively Anglo, exclusively white, you know, very little sort of consideration. And also seeing demand for his work and his look peak around Black Lives Matter and then no longer be of interest when that movement was no longer trending or politically convenient and then being told that their look wasn't marketable. Their look wasn't in, in demand. And they're the sorts of things which is like, what look do you mean being black is not in demand, which is at odds with what's happening in the fashion world abroad, where some of the biggest names are black models. And I believe Jeffrey actually told you that at a recent campaign shoot, there was a photographer who used the N-word in front of him. Is that right? Yes. And he's like, and not only did he use that word, then there were other people because on shoots, there are always countless people behind the scenes. And he was like, not only are you the only black person in the room, or the only person of colour, there's not even a brown person in the room, nobody was there to pull him up or stop or say anything. And if I complain, I'm the ungrateful troublemaker. And if I complain, is there a chance I'll never get booked again? Something the boycotting models also pointed to time and time again was two of Australia's most successful exports, Adut Akech and Ducky Thought, who are enormous, absolutely coveted, they're killing it on the international modelling scene, struggled to get work in Australia. They left the country because they couldn't get work. One, even after kicking massive career goals overseas, uh, Who magazine did a spread on her and about her successes, where they used another black model's face to accompany the article. Australian supermodel Adut Akech has broken her silence after a magazine published a photo of the wrong model on the eve of Melbourne Fashion Week. She says she felt... That model, Adut Akech, then came out and said that it was racism, plain and simple, that apparently if you're black, you're interchangeable and you're like everybody else. I don't think that it was intentional, um, but it is racist because... You know, kind of telling me that what every single black model looks the same or, you know. We'll be right back. Antoinette, I wanted to ask you about discrepancy in pay. You've written that it's a real problem. Our mastheads aren't suggesting that the organizers of Melbourne Fashion Week or Australian Fashion Week engage in these pay discrepancies or or any of the specific practices mentioned in the article that the models have brought up. We know it's exhibiting brands that manage casting at those festivals. But what have the models told you about pay discrepancies? So generally, by and large, Melbourne Fashion Week and Australian Fashion Week, because there are so many shows and so many dozens and dozens and dozens of models engaged, there's a pretty standard rate, unless you're a huge international name, in which there'd be an exception. A few of the models also made the point when models are at their cheapest is when black models are engaged. When it is actually a livable wage 
or a decent pay were not a priority. But outside of fashion weeks and when campaigns, like when you see an advertising campaign or a billboard or a shop front for a brand, that is when models can earn far more significant amount of money. There was a model, this one didn't want to be named for fear of career repercussions. She did a shoot with a model who had about the same experience, about three years experience, about the same social media following, did the exact same work, had the same agent. The agent sent her the wrong payslip. The agent sent her her white model peers payslip and then apologize said oh actually this is your payslip so she saw both payslips she saw a fifteen thousand dollar discrepancy in pay for the exact work and they have the exact experience so the black model was paid fifteen thousand dollars less than the white model and there have been other examples where the models have spoken to some of their friends who are of different ethnic backgrounds and a black model in one instance said to me well I was having difficulty getting through a shoot going this is a really difficult shoot and then a white model said to me yeah but at least we're being paid really well and then the black model was like we're being paid really well and at that point those conversations on the side in between takes happen in which they're able to gather okay we're being paid significantly less here and so they're the only kind of ways in which we get an insight into the pay disparity but that $15,000 discrepancy for the same work was quite a clear example of how black models can be underpaid. And this really seems to go against a lot of the stories that we've read over the last few years about how the Australian fashion industry has changed. It's become more diverse. We're seeing more models of colour on the catwalk. Certainly what we're hearing in your story from these black models paints a very different picture. So what did the models that you spoke to have to say about that? They've said that there's been an increase in the discussion of diversity and inclusion. There's a lot of talk about it, but a lot of the efforts are tokenistic at best. A few years ago at Melbourne Fashion Week, one of the boycotting models said that she was backstage. She was looking for her photograph because they had all the models part of it, this particular brand show. She couldn't find her headshot. And then she turned to the other side on another wall and there was only one picture and it was of her under the words diversity and inclusion. And so she, in that moment, was like, I am literally here to tick a box. It is on the wall. And she's like, and then I meant to go out and be my best and perform after seeing that. They say on the inside, absolutely nothing has shifted. And that is where the problem lies, that you can't just get a whole bunch of black models to walk on the catwalk because everybody's looking and think that's okay. Because, of course, the culture won't change. And those comments like, your look just isn't in demand at the moment, which is essentially saying black is not beautiful, black is not marketable, black is not good enough. That sort of language continues to happen and those are the sorts of decisions that are made, which you can then see when you open a magazine. If anybody is of colour, they are ethnically ambiguous, they are very light-skinned, they are certainly not a dark-skinned black model. And I wanted to take a step back for a moment and just look at this from a global perspective, because one South Sudanese-born model said to you, you know, you simply couldn't get away with the racism that she experiences here or some of the other models experienced here in cities like London, New York or Paris. So why are we so behind other countries when it comes to respectful treatment of models of colour? It's a lack of conviction in really believing that models of colour bring a different skill set and that they reach a different audience. And unless you truly believe that diversity and inclusion creates a better product, it's better for fashion, it's better for art, it's better for storytelling, then anything you do is going to be half-hearted and anything you do is not really going to land. 
Also, a lot of these women have dabbled overseas. A couple that I've spoken to have actually since relocated. In the time between Australian Fashion Week and Melbourne Fashion Week, have packed up their lives and gone, okay, I'm going to London because I have a better chance of being treated with respect. Like Adut Akech and being one of the most sought-after models in the world at the moment. And she was a, a black model in Australia who couldn't get work. It's been done already, but I think that Australia still has a long way to go. When these sort of issues happened and no one is speaking about it, you know, how is a change going to happen? All of a sudden, she is so busy. She's been on the front cover of UK Vogue five times. She's the second model of colour to close, uh, I think it's the Chanel Couture show, like hitting enormous milestones and couldn't, couldn't get work in Australia a few years ago. I mean, sadly, this issue of racism experienced by models of colour here in our industry isn't a new phenomenon. Other high-profile black models like Ducky Thought and, like you mentioned, Adu Dakesh, they've spoken out against their treatment here before. So do you think this boycott will actually lead to any change? Yeah, interestingly, the two models that you just mentioned there, they spoke out after they'd achieved significant success abroad. Significant success, a kind of like untouchable success. They're such enormous names on the international modelling scene. A lot of the models here are still in, not the early stages, but they haven't received that kind of level of success or exposure. So on the one hand, they're worried that this just means doors will close to them. But on the other, because hopefully, because this is the first time a collective of models have come together. And as I speak to you, I'm getting messages on Instagram with more models and more photographers and more people sharing their experiences. So hopefully this will become something that one little PR stunt or one generic statement from a peak fashion body, that they're not going to believe that that's enough to change and that that real work begins um, on the inside, changing the sort of the culture and the people who make the decisions. Thank you so much, Antoinette, for your time. Oh, thank you so much. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Tammy Mills and Julia Carcatzel, with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the City Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening. <laughs>